Hi, welcome to the Business Vitality Podcast. I am your host, Katherine Canty. You can learn more about me and my team at KatherineCanty.com. For more than two decades, I have been able to travel the country and help other people grow their business. From those experiences, I was able to work with a proposal team that generated success 90% of the time for over a decade. We have created a leadership coaching program that is creating 100% measured results as seen by the leaders, peers, and stakeholders. And finally, I have spent nearly a decade in boardrooms, corporate boardrooms, where we are learning what's working and what's not. And more importantly, we're able to take the communication from the boardroom and get it down to the front line so execution is easier to implement. You know, from all these experiences, we created a framework called Business Vitality. These are all of the best practices of leaders and and opportunities that have been coming up decade after decade. And a lot of this stuff has been in practice for more than 20 years, 30 years and beyond. And what we're learning is a lot of these folks that are remaining vital in business today are having to think differently. And to share a quote from one of my CEOs that I've worked with in the past, he told me all day long he can hire folks, but what he needs more of are people who think outside the box. So in an effort to pay it forward and celebrate successes, we are going to be sharing stories of leaders who are thinking differently and remaining vital in business today. Please stick to the end and we will share how you can be a guest on the show. And thanks so much for being here. Charles Reed, you are the CEO of Get Payroll, found on the web at getpayroll.com. Thank you so much for being here. Catherine, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Charles. And before we get started, I just want to say thank you for your service in the Marine Corps. I greatly appreciate what you and and the rest of the military is doing to keep us safe. So thank you so much. Um, I would love to know, and and our our listeners would love to know, can you tell us at a high level, what is Get Payroll? Get Payroll provides payroll services and related services to small and medium-sized businesses across the country. Uh, We not only write the checks, but we handle all the taxes, we handle all the forms, we handle all the filing. We take care of all that. And then in addition, we help our clients with HR, uh, workers' compensation, timekeeping, um, and other associated payroll-related services and products. So we're a one-stop shop for your payroll needs. I love that. I love a one-stop shop. Uh, Makes everybody's life easier. Do you have a particular sector within the business that you're working with or size of employees or area of the country? Yeah, they they have to have an employee. Just one (laughs) or more than one. One is fine. And we have we have clients, uh, attorneys and, and so on that just have themselves. They're incorporated. And so uh, they have to pay themselves as an employee. So we have some ones. We have them going up into the multiple hundreds of clients. Uh, our, our main clientele is, is under 50 employees, but we handle uh, up to when they need to take it internal and somewhere around somewhere between 250 and 500 employees. Uh, it makes sense to take it in-house because of the complexity and and all the problems that will arise with that many employees and that many checks, Uh, contrary to what some of my competition will tell you, but that's okay. 
That's okay. I like to have a different of a difference of opinion because it, it could work for somebody else. And, um, you know, to, to be able to know what your area of focus is, is really important. And Absolutely. if you're running, you know, a business where you've got, you know, the 50 employees or so, it does make sense to lean on you because, you know, as we were talking about before we jumped on this call, you talked about the importance of delegation and outsourcing. And you said that you had some examples of, of why that, uh, that you believe in that. Do you mind talking a little bit about those, those two topics? More than happy to. Well, obviously, as an entrepreneur, when I started out, I wore all the hats. Okay. And, and you can see what that did for my hair. So I learned to start handing them off as we grew. Uh, my first non-cost center person, non-revenue person was a very tough hire. This was almost 30 years ago. It was a secretary uh, assistant type job. Uh, and she was really good at it. And I found that it freed up so much of my time that I was able to make more than enough additional revenue to cover her compensation and more. So it was, it was worth every penny we paid her. Uh, and I've never, never regretted making that, that choice because it allowed me to concentrate on my business, not on paperwork. First rule of time management is only do what only you can do. So if you can move things off to other people, excellent. One of my failures was not getting in somebody in marketing early enough. I thought I could market. Okay. And we grew and, and we were successful. And then I finally hired a marketing manager. And within about three weeks, I realized I can't market my way out of a paper bag. Okay? <laughs> and we have done much better since I put the money into a marketing staff for my company. Because it's, not some, it's something I thought I could do. And I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm an analytical. I'm a CPA. MBA, U.S. Tax Court practitioner. I'm not a, a marketing person. <laughs> so you've got to learn to delegate and to backstop your skill set where you're not, where you don't have skills. Get people who have them. You don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just need to learn to hire the smartest person in the room. So. So much truth Dele in that. Delegation is, is so important uh, and, and learning to do that and being able to do it effectively. I've got a great staff. Uh, and for instance, we're a payroll company. They don't let me process payrolls anymore. We change software and I'm not an expert on it. I've got a staff that's expert on the system. They they I go in there to want to do a payroll. They just kind of, Send me back to my office. But on the other hand, my job as CEO is to make them more efficient and to make their job easier, to solve problems for them, to fix things, to provide them the tools. So that's my job as the CEO is to make them more efficient, more effective, more profitable, and therefore the company and myself more profitable. And in addition, I still have my expertise as the tax guy. Uh, I'm the guy that interfaces with the Internal Revenue Service. I'm the person that files the tax court petitions where necessary. I'm the guy that calls the appeals office and has the appeals hearings and so on. That's my expertise. Um, I'm bringing a, a couple of them along with that. 
Uh, Chris is beginning to get his credentials to be able to do that. And hopefully at some point I'll bring him into it full time, but he's not there yet. So. I think that's that's great to hear. I think it's important for a lot of people at, at any stage of the career um, to understand the importance of delegating and then also to understand, you know, what the CEO is doing on a day-to-day um, level. And it doesn't need to be, you know, running the payroll. It needs to be meeting with the IRS. It needs to be meeting with um, prospects and grooming and growing the talent within the organization. That's the important thing. I, I don't micromanage. I think micromanagers make a mistake. Uh, I hire good people. I give them the tools and the training on an ongoing basis to do their job. If there's a problem, we talk about it. And yeah, uh, not firing people is also a mistake. If you make a bad hire, you need to correct it because they're not getting the work done and they're affecting everybody else around them and the company and the culture and everything else. So uh, I lost my wife. Ruth and I started the business 31 years ago. And she passed away seven years ago. And she'd been ill before that. She was my people person. Uh, She was my uh, last step in hiring. Because she just, she understood people far better than I did. you know, we were married for 45 years before she passed. The biggest question she had in her married life was, why'd you marry up like Charles? But <laughs> add your own words. Uh, but we we had a good marriage. Not perfect, but good. <laughs> any, any man who claims he has a perfect marriage also lies about other things. Okay. So she was my go-to. And, and the only time I, I overrode her and hired somebody that she didn't want me to hire uh, it regretted quickly and had to terminate them because she was good at it. Now, uh, everybody who gets hired here uh, goes through a process and everybody in the company interviews them and everybody has a veto. And I use that instead of her. If Because if they're not going to fit the culture, I don't want them. Yeah. I'm sorry to, to hear about your loss. And it, it does sound like you have a lot of wonderful stories. 45 years, I can only imagine Half of uh, the hilarious stories that come out of a out of a marriage. When we started, we've been married about twenty years. When we started in business, and we had to reset the parameters because I was the 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 expert at work and at home, you know. So at work, I told her what to do. Well, <laughs> that doesn't translate to the house. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart man. <laughs> no. Uh, Man who say he master an own house also lie about other things. <laughs> so uh, we had to settle those relationships. And then she had one real bad habit. We'd get home, have dinner, get ready for bed, get into bed. And she'd have one more problem she needed to get off her chest about work. 11 o'clock at night, sitting in that big king size bed, she'd tell me about it and she'd roll over and go to sleep. And I'd be sitting there worrying about it till two or three in the morning, unable to sleep. So we finally came to a hard, fast rule that after dinner, no more business. Now, sometimes that meant a very late dinner, but <laughs> we, we held to that. And that, that made married life 
a lot simpler once once we agreed to that. So <laughs> I feel like I've gotten at least a dozen tips off of uh, a three-minute conversation with you, Charles. <laughs> Whether it is business or personal or both, I think you are you're giving just nothing but um, golden nuggets of of knowledge. So thank you very much. That's experience learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> with a little bit of humility, it sounds like. <laughs> you know, so you, you talk about delegating and a lot of people are struggling with that today. Yes. They, they keep climbing, they keep growing. They're in these incredible opportunities of, of leadership and they can't let go and they feel like they have to keep it all. Do you have any just suggestions on like, how do you start letting go or when do you know you need to let go or any thoughts around just getting over that hump and just starting to release it? It's a trust thing. You have to trust the people you hire. If you don't, I, I truly suggest you may want to seek some counseling with your trust issues because they're going to haunt you your entire life uh, in, in marriage, in business, in relationships, in everything. Uh, and yeah, are some people going to betray that trust at times? Absolutely. It's going to happen. Uh, I had a young lady who was taking checks off the bottom of the stack and filling them out and cashing them. She was also taking checks that were coming in the mail and altering them and cashing them. So, yeah, we, we lost some money there and we had to fire her. And obviously, we turned her over to the authorities and so on. So you are going to have your trust violated at times. It's going to happen. But. The time savings involved in trusting good people is so huge and allows you to do so much more. Because if you don't trust them and you can't delegate and you have to micromanage, you're never going to get to where you could be. You're never going to grow to the level you could grow to. You will never have the individual fulfillment that you could have. Your relationships are going to suffer from it personally. So if you've got those kinds of issues, Find a counselor, talk to them, get some help in dealing with those trust issues because uh, it's a major thing. I think, I think you're right. And I think that's something worth exploring and there's nothing wrong with, you know, reaching out to people and asking for help and, and learning from other people. How do you overcome this stuff? I found that, you know, I reach out to other people. They teach me the shortcuts on how to overcome some of this stuff rather than me struggling, walking through mud, having to figure out the things that are keeping me up at night. Be honest. And since it's just me and Ruth can't contradict me, <laughs> we went to counseling, uh, marriage counseling, because we were having some problems. Uh, we'd lost a daughter to cancer and some other things. And our counselor was able to give us some tips on communicating, which made our life and our marriage much better. So, yes, and you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. If you don't know how to overcome these things, you'll never overcome them because you don't know how to. You know, life's not simple. And sometimes an outside point of view, outside advice, outside expertise, outside tips, as you say, here's the shortcut. Oh, wow. <laughs> sorry to hear about your daughter as well. That That's, I, again, cannot imagine um, what that kind of loss would be like. And, you know, we, as we talk, it's, it's, you know, we talk about business, 
But within business, and I think what's beginning to, to pop up more and more, especially after COVID, is we're beginning to see this blend of, of work and life, and it's just all meshing together. And I was speaking with a leader earlier this week, and they said there is no balance, but we got to find harmony between stuff at home and stuff at, at work. Um, because you may have the good weeks and you may have the bad weeks and it all comes together and, and that impacts your culture at the office that impacts your home life and, and everything between. And I think now more than ever, people are beginning to talk about the harmony that we're trying to create between work and home. And I know for myself, I work so hard to keep these worlds separate and now they're coming together and it, it feels like a third person's coming out of merging a work Catherine and a home Catherine, and now I'm blending it together. So have you always blended these worlds together or have you, you kept them apart or what do you, what, tell me a little bit about, I guess that for you. No, I, I kept them separate at first, but once we went into business, uh, I got asked at a conference here a couple of years ago, uh, entrepreneurial conference. And they, I, I was part of the panel up front and somebody said, well, what about work-life balance? And I cracked up. I just started laughing. For a new entrepreneur, there is no such thing as work-life balance. It's work, okay? Mm-hmm. Hopefully sometime after five, seven, 10, 12, 15 years, you'll, you'll be able to get some personal life back. And if you're married, you have to have a spouse that understands that, that you're going to be working 70, 80, 90, 100 hours a week. And if they can't work with that, you're going to have problems. So harmony, I think, is a wonderful term. And since Ruth and I work together, uh, you know, it, it worked out. But if you're not working with your spouse uh, and you're an entrepreneur, and in this day and age, we're kind of all entrepreneurs anymore. So you've got to have a spouse that understands and can work with you. And if you don't, get some counseling. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but no, I, you know, I, I, I was a Marine when I married Ruth. And, you know, yeah, she was a military wife, but, you know, she didn't go to combat, and, you know, all the rest of it. So uh, the life was pretty much separate. And then I started working for places like TI after school, after my graduate school. And so it was work. And then I come home and we do things. But once we got into business together, it was pretty well blended. And Ruth was a, Mary and Ruth was the best decision I ever made in my life, bar none. And uh, she was always wanted to be part of my life and was always very supportive uh, and, and helped and, and encouraged. And it was wonderful. Uh, That's awesome. Perfect, but wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we had our fights, we had our arguments. And I, I, one more tip, mm-hmm. what I found is somewhere between 20 and 25 years of marriage, things really began to smooth out because we'd had all the arguments and we knew who was going to win. Uh, and we learned each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses. She knew when I said to her at the Home Depot, that was not going to fit in that niche of the house, that piece of furniture, mm-hmm. it wasn't going to fit. My spatial awareness was that good. Okay. We took two pieces of the house to try it before she finally agreed to, that I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> so all those things work and it's, it's marriage is a wonderful thing. So I, I, I truly believe in it. 
That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate it. I was I was looking on um on online and I saw that you are only one of 86 people in the last 16 years to pass the US tax court non-attorney practitioners exam. Wow. This is this is phenomenal. Um can you talk about this and and sure. why is it so difficult and and tell me about the significance of it. This is unbelievable. Well, when the tax court was formed back in the 50s after the, the Bureau of Adjustments, uh, Michigan Representative Dingell insisted that non-attorneys be able to practice in the court because they've been able to practice in the Board of Adjustments. So that was codified in the law. You have to go to D.C. once every two years, they give an exam, and you have to understand legal ethics, court procedure, uh, tax, and evidence. And it's a four-hour test, and you have to pass it to get your non-attorney's practitioner's license. Most people don't pass it. I pass it on, as I did my CPA exam, I passed it on my first sitting. What it allows me to do is when my clients encounter a problem that I can't resolve with exam or appeals, I can, for a $60 fee, file a petition for them in U.S. tax court as a tax court practitioner, even though I'm not an attorney. I have a bar card from the U.S. tax court. So I'm, I can represent and be a counselor, technical term, uh, for my clients in U.S. tax court. And U.S. tax court, when you file a petition, stops all collection efforts, period. And, and it goes to docketed appeals where you get very sophisticated uh, IRS personnel, district counsel, and the people that work with them that understand the law better than the typical exam or appeals officer. And you can negotiate with them. 95% of all U.S. tax cases are settled pre-court. So this gives us, as a firm, another tool that most of our competitors don't have. They can't do this. If they get to that point and you need to file in U.S. tax court, they tell you to call Joe over here, who's a tax attorney, who's going to want a $5,000 retainer. Okay? We just include it as part of our services if it becomes necessary. We do charge the $60 for the petition because it's money out of pocket. But that's just part of the service. We're compliance experts. Mm -hmm. We are, hopefully you'll never need that portion of our services, but the IRS makes millions of mistakes every year. In fiscal 19, they issued $13 billion in employment tax penalties. Wow. 60% of them got abated by people like me. And of the 40% that weren't, I wonder how many should have been. Yeah. But people pay them because they don't know how to fight them or the cost of fighting them. They, they call their, their attorney and he says, yeah, I got a tax attorney for you, but it's a $5,000 retainer. What's well, only $1,500 in taxes. <laughs> yeah. It's not worth well, it. It's not worth it. Uh, instead of having somebody who can say, yeah, we'll file a petition. And when we get the phone call from district council, we can probably settle it or get it abated right off, off the bat. We have not yet lost a tax court case. <clears throat> I'm sure it'll happen, okay? 
don't don't misunderstand me. But at the moment, uh, our win rate's one hundred percent, which I love. <laughs> I love a good win rate. That's impressive. Congratulations. Thank you. Talk about efficiency. My goodness, you know, just to be able to support business owners like this and entrepreneurs, and to have resources that you're able to provide to them that that goes just beyond, you know, general payroll services. It really gets very extensive. Um, it's it's a great array of support to entrepreneurs who, like you said, need to delegate and be able to take some of this stuff off their desk. Absolutely. Um, this is this is great. So you also um, talk about on your LinkedIn page that you're the the CEO's phone line is always open for small business questions and advice. And um, you know, are you able to get? Are you getting phone calls on this and? And people are just calling for advice and support and services that you have to offer. It's some of that. Uh, and I, I love to talk to people. And I, I'm a problem solver by nature. So if I can solve a problem for somebody on the phone and just say off the cuff, do this, this, and this, I'm happy to do it at no cost. If they come up with a real difficult problem, they're, you know, I'll quote them a fee for, for trying to do something about it. And that's fun to me because it's something new. And it's something interesting and, and, and engaging. So I enjoy doing that as well. Uh, since I'm not doing payrolls, I have time to do that. I don't get as many as I would like, but uh, it is fun. That is good. Tell me, um, Charles, if, if someone wants to learn more about you and get payroll, where is the best place for them to get started? Getpayroll.com. It's on, on the backdrop there. Uh, is is where it's at. My email is cjr at getpayroll. And uh, if they're interested in payroll, my newest book, The Payroll Book, A Guide for Small Businesses and Startups, it's available at Amazon or at thepayrollbook.com. And uh, Catherine, for your listeners, if they'd like a book, if they will go, <coughs> excuse me, to thepayrollbook.com, enter the discount code podcast, we will ship them a free book. No shipping, no handling, no nothing. It's very generous. Thank you. For your listeners. I really appreciate it. So thank you, Charles. So um, Charles Reed, you are the CEO of Get Payroll, found on the web at getpayroll.com. You have a free book available. If listeners would like to go to the payrollbook.com, and enter the code podcast, you'll be able to send that out, no charge. That's awfully nice. So thank you so much for doing that. And again, just thank you so much for being here with us, Charles. Catherine, my pleasure. Thank you. My team and I just want to say thank you for tuning in to the Business Vitality Podcast. We really appreciate you being here. If you know of another leader, another CEO, a founder who has another success story that they are willing to share and be able to pay it forward, we would love to highlight their stories on this podcast. You can find more information at katherinecanty.com. And in the meantime, if you could take a minute and rate this show, that would be super helpful because that's going to allow more people like you to find us in order to continue to pay it forward. Again, if you need to learn any additional information, we are happy to help. You can find us more at katherinecanty.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn with my name, Katherine Canty. Thanks so much for being here.